Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday pre-market prep. Hope you all had a great weekend. Spencer Israel, Joel Elkanen, Dennis Dick with you this morning. A lot on our radar. We have a merger to talk about in uh, Chinese stocks. We have uh, Apple and Amazon both trading up ahead of their big events uh, starting tomorrow uh, in, in Amazon's case and just tomorrow in Apple's case. Uh, we're going to talk about the rotation. Last week, we had a rotation uh, into value. That rotation is now reversed again, out of value, back into growth. We'll talk about video game stocks with our guest, Michael Pachter from Wedbush Securities. He will join us at 835. Uh, Joel, we'll bring you on here. How was your weekend and how are you doing here overnight? Uh, fantastic weekend and the S&Ps are doing well this morning. We're up 19 handles at 34, 92 and a quarter. You have crude trading in the red by 60 cents at $40 even. Uh, gold continuing to hold over 1900 That's up 410 at 1930.30. Silver clears 25, up 19.7 cents at 25.31. And Bitcoin uh, clears that $11,000 hurdle. We're up $215 at $11,325. Uh, Triple D, we got to bring you in here. And I have never gotten more emails asking a more important question of you. Will I be working today? The question is, in Canada. Yes. On a Canadian Thanksgiving. Yes. Do you eat geese instead of turkey? <laughs> uh, no. So, uh, the geese, the goose just doesn't taste very good. And Canada Goose Company doesn't appreciate that either. I see the geese, so... The answer to your question is no, we do not eat Canada geese. Although if we did eat Canada geese, they are literally everywhere. So I think maybe we should make that a tradition because then I wouldn't have a hundred of them on my front lawn. Happy Thanksgiving, Dennis. Happy Thanksgiving. So yes, I do work on the Canadian holidays. Yes, we do eat turkey on Thanksgiving. Yes, I do normally celebrate the U.S. holidays, though, because I follow the U.S. calendar, seeing as how I trade stocks in the U.S. All right. Oh. Well, they're, they're celebrating here uh, the Columbus yeah. Day rally, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, the, the high of the week on Friday, right? Close on the highs, near the highs. No bad news over the weekend. No deal, but uh, certainly no bad news here. And uh, just got a, a lot of catalyst here for some mm-hmm. major stocks. Catalysts that were predictable, too. We talked about buying Apple ahead of the event. It often works. Well, if you were so inclined to do that, 
Uh, you're up a cool 3% here this morning with Apple because it is trading higher. If you didn't want to take all the risk and you just shorted the queues against you, it'd still be up because the queues are not up as much as Apple. They're only up 1.7%. Amazon with Prime Day too, which I know you guys mentioned on the Friday evening show, would have worked as well as trading up 65 points ahead of Prime Day tomorrow. So you have two predictable events and the stock's predictably trading higher ahead of those events. Again, great alpha to extract just owning these stocks ahead of those events. And uh, boy, the charts of these are just, they're both hanging at the highs of the pre-market session. So just keep an eye on that pre-market high, where it comes in, see if it coincides with the daily high, looking for any kind of file throw. I mean, here you are, Amazon is breaking out, Mitch so pointing it out, 3,200 was significant. We had the rotation come in Friday after the open. We've been talking about it. When is it going to rotate back into growth? Because it seems like every time value gets a good couple of days, and like you were saying, Spencer, is this it? Is this the turn in value? And no, they pull the rug out from under and they go the other way again. So yes, there are some value stocks still trading higher, but value did not have a great day on Friday. You can look at a stock like Nucor, for instance, and you, Steel Stock, open up near the highs down all day. Um, opposite, obviously, is the NASDAQ and a lot of the components of the NASDAQ where a lot of these stocks open fairly weak, even take Amazon, and they rallied all day. So the rotation is now very, very clear here this morning. IWM trading up only 0.25%. The Qs are trading up 1.7%. So there's another 1.5% blowout between the Qs and the IWM. So the money, after a few days of staying away from tech and buying these value names, Suddenly, Friday starts to rotate back into growth, and that trade continues here this morning. All right. Uh, earnings week, but that doesn't get started t- until tomorrow. We have we have the banks, which are have not, you know, they've been dead. They've been part. I mean, I noticed J.P. Morgan and Bank America rallied last week. Yeah. Uh, 102 seems to be your bogey here. I see a pair of highs there, J.P. Morgan ahead of the report. But nice, uh, over the last three weeks, it's added 10 bucks. So maybe some folks leaning long into the J.P. Morgan report. I mean, just predictable again that stocks get bought ahead of their reports. We talk about this all the time, too. And yes, when do we have the first bank reporting, Spencer? I know it's this week. What day? Tomorrow morning is J.P. Morgan um, and Citigroup. JP Morgan and City both reporting. Both stocks kind of sleepy for a couple of days here, but like Joel is saying, they've had a pretty good two, three weeks. JP Morgan coming from the lows of 91 up to 101. So there's a quiet little 10% rally in JP Morgan. So now you're like, okay, you know, you're coming in here buying it now. You know, is there another day of rally ahead? Potentially. Am I going to take it through the report long? No, because every time it seems like these banks, you hold them through the reports. They, they might beat, but then they just pull the rug out from under and find a reason to sell them there anyways. JP Morgan 105 major extra super duper resistance, Joel. Uh, if it was to get up to that level there, I'd be a seller. I, it's hard. It's hard to get on the bank trade because it's been dead money for not just, you know, for the, since COVID. These have been, you know, really underperformers here if we go to the chart for three years. I mean, JP Morgan was $100 three years ago. If you were buying tech stocks three years ago, you probably doubled your money in most of them. So it goes to show the money still flows to where it's being rewarded, and it has not been rewarded in the banks. Is it different this time? Maybe, but I'm not betting on it. Uh, if you look at this J.P. Morgan, you mentioned that 105 area. I don't know what the – I guess that's when everyone got excited in, uh, in June 
when this got into the mid 120, you know, towards 120. But basically, since July, even June or July, you've really been in a trading range from like 92, 91, 92. I know it did dip under 90 a little bit. And then the top of the trading range has just, just been above that 105 level. And, uh, and well, you know, you had the 90 as a major low back in 2019. I don't know. It's just you have to take, you know, what will determine a breakout, you know, in this thing, a breakout that will last, never even come close to a 50% retracement. If you look at 140 to 80, that's a 60 point. I guess 110. I guess you did get near that. But, uh, you know, a little bit of a dividend, uh, you know, it just hasn't been, hasn't been the place to have your money. Warren seems to think it's uh, opposite in Bank America. But that just seems to be in a trading range as well. So let's go other individual stock news here. We got stay with the tech theme. Twilio buying something and it's popping. It was up 20. It's only up 13 now. So it is leaking very quickly here. TWLO, what is it buying? Well, it's, it's that kind of a morning. Like you said, right? They're, they're pretty much buying growth. And so... You know, news. So if you have any news, they just right. buy news you anyway. We're saying, I mean, Twilio is buying a private company. They're spending $3.2 billion to buy a company called Segment. Um, you know, n- news or no news, yeah. like you said, Dennis, the rotation is back into these growth names. So, yeah. Joel, how high did we get on Twilio? I saw it up to over 20, but I, I didn't look at a chart here. Oh, man. Yeah, we got, uh, got even higher. Yeah, we are, we are actually over 335 here. So they've given uh, back half the gains already. Yeah. Uh, boom, 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 boom. Actually, I got 337 print on that. Now you're 17 bucks off it. Exactly uh, half the gains given <laughs> back right now. So maybe yeah. at a point, maybe you do buy it um, just for a trade. I, you know, But you never know how these things work. Sometimes they just continue and they give it all back. So when they give half of it back, it gets you spooked a bit. But, I mean, if you're saying buy the dip, this is the dip in the pre-market. You know, it depends <laughs> yeah, on your time frame, I yeah. guess. But we're on a pre-market dip right now. There is a dip there and uh, two candles right here, 321 holding in. I, I don't mind these kind of moves. You know, when a company has a run up like it did in its stock and, you know, like AMD did the same thing. I'm, you know, I don't think you need to go. I mean, 3.2 billion. I don't know what the valuation is on it, but I, I like these kind of moves when companies do this. They're doing something with their stock, right? They're not, uh, I'm sure there's not a dividend on this one, but uh, what was oh, what was the stock that you talked about on Friday that was getting taken over and you were like, man, that seems like it's too pricey. Yeah, it was the AMD Xilinx deal. Yeah. And I just like didn't understand that the rumor was for 30 bill and they were all of a sudden giving it more than a $30 billion market cap. And it was trading in the pre-market on Friday, like at 127, 128. It's now 119. So given back significant gains. I mean, if you're coming in and buying these things up 20 points on a rumor, you're giving up all the edge. So the play was actually to short it. You know, there may be people speculating, oh, there's going to be a better deal out there. Well, sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. But that was just a slam dunk short. I mean, sometimes it still works. I mean, you know, obviously we talk about buy the dip all the time, but we do talk about sell the rip. And when you get these ripping moves on some news, a lot of times those are fades, um, depending on obviously what the news is. But, you know, we saw it with Regeneron and with Xilinx too. And we hinted, you know, at that. And I was saying I would be selling it if I owned it. And, uh, and it's obviously what it worked out again. So fading the news often works. Uh, it does. And uh, the thing that you were, uh, you were mentioning about it was that it was just trading over the value of the takeout. 
So it was, it, you were talking it, about over the rumored. Yeah, over, yeah, the, over rumored, the rumored price. Over the mathematics. And, yeah. you know, math. What's well, all math? I mean, everything I trade, you know, I, I'm basically, you know, I trade a lot of quantitative strategies. And you're looking at, you know, different numbers. You're looking at what is that worth? So it's all math. You get a ratings change. What is that historically worth? You know, if the thing's trading up 8 9%, a historical rating change for this stock from that analyst is worth 5 or 6% or 4% or 3%, you short it. So it's all just quantitative edges that, that I'm looking for, you know, looking for history to basically repeat itself. And, you know, when you've got, I've seen this story play out before where you got a rumor, stock pops up significantly on the rumor. It's often, you know, the rumor sometimes materializes, but when they're trading it up to where the potential rumored takeout price was, all the edge is gone. So the play actually at that point in time is to say, okay, well, everybody's getting too excited here and, and just have some guts and short it. And Regeneron would have been the same story. I mean, the stock trade up to $620, quickly gave it back and closed at below 600 That was after the Trump uh, pump there. So, I, I mean, at a bare minimum when you're in these things and they get these, you know, pops on, you know, rumors and stuff, I, I think the play is to take some, at least some money off the table, if not all of it. You've seen this. Uh, this is not a new trend, right? We've seen this in a lot of things where these deals come out, they get announced, they go to a price, and then maybe the deal still gets done. But like a lot of time, also, if you look at the time value of money too, waiting for these deals to close or whatever. Uh, but that was a good example in Xilinx there. And uh, we'll see. I mean, Sequence, uh, a private corporation, so you can't really draw on that but uh how did amd do on friday i know that it, it was down in the dumps came back a little bit uh not much trading up 74 cents today so merger monday but just a private and a public company. well we have, I mean, more, we have more this morning on the merger uh front what do you got got huya and d-u-y-u oh, yeah. and uh do you now this was on the table Remember, What's DOYU symbol? DOYU? DOYU. Remember, uh, Ten, that one. Tencent is the largest shareholder in both of these companies, and they had proposed a merger of equals uh, between these two uh, back in August. So that is now, that's happening now. The stock, both stocks were halted. They're out of the halt now. Here are the details. Uh, it's, so it's a merger agreement. It's an all stock transaction or stock for stock transaction. Uh, who, yes, shareholders will receive a special dividend of $200 million. Uh, do you shareholders will receive a special dividend of $60 uh, million. And this will close at some point in the first uh, quarter of next year. So is there a ratio? Uh, for yes, this there is. Yeah, okay. yeah, I didn't get, didn't get there yet. Uh, do you shareholders are going to receive 0.73 shares of Huya for each share of Douyu that they own. So 0.73 shares yeah. of, 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 uh, of Douyu for, e for each share of Huya. And so you can see this morning when we talk about the market punishing uh, acquirers, because Huya, the company that is doing the acquiring is, is now down this morning uh, and DOYU uh, is not. It's all about that ratio. And, you know, it's not even about punishing. So what happens is when the risk arbitrators come in, they calculate that ratio and you can quickly just take the current price of HUIA and do the 0.73 and you figure it out. And if it's out, they'll short the one and buy the other and to try to bring that ratio in. And in so much cases that sometimes they just don't buy up the, the acquired company enough. 
So then they're just going to naturally short the HUIA, and that's what really brings it down. So that's the kind of mechanics, you know, just, you know, people just, and obviously I say it too, we punish the acquirers, but when it's a stock deal, it just comes down to that ratio. It's all about that ratio. Nothing else matters. Fundamentals no longer matter. So if you just take your cal trusty calculator and bring it up and do your grade two math here with your calculator, you can go with current price HUYA, uh, $24 we'll just take because that's where it's trading the pre-market times the 0.73 will give you a price for Duya of $17.52. So obviously they're putting a discount on it because, you know, we don't know if there's going to be issues or not with, you know, regulation and stuff. But, you know, it's trading at 1607 Yeah, so, and yeah, I know there's no regulation in China. <laughs> but, but okay, so $17.52. So it's trading at 10% discount here right now. But what's that tell you? It tells you that eventually if this merger does go through, the DOU price has to go up or the HUYA price has to actually go lower because the spread is too, um, the, the spread is too, uh, is too narrow there. So the spread's got to widen out a bit. So it can go in one of two ways. So if you can't buy the DOU up, you knock the HUYA down. And that's the way the risk Arabs do it. And that's the mechanics behind it, why you see HUYA going down. So right now you think, oh, I'm coming in, oh, 24 is cheap. But is it cheap on HUYA? Because right now that discount's telling you the, the spread's too, the spread, the spread needs to get a little bit wider between those two. So the DOU price got to go up or the HUI price has to go lower yet to account for that. And a significant amount when you take that 0.73 price. So you can quickly see that HUYA could actually go lower than this if DOU doesn't rally. So that's uh, all that matters is now the relationship between yeah. those two stocks. And you know how I love my relationships. And this is the go. kind of stuff that I make my living on is this kind of stuff. Because people coming in and just saying, oh, I'm going to buy the dip on HUYA. Ah, uh, 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 not so fast. It'd be better to buy the dip or to buy the rally on Doryu because there's a 10% spread there still. So if you're so inclined, it's actually better to buy the rip in this case than to buy the dip on HUYA if you believe that the merger is going through. What's the symbol on the other one? D-O-Y-U. D-O-Y-U. So we, we just had a couple of deals close last week. Wait, I just want to know, are they going to, what's the new name of the company going to be? Oh, uh, no. Uh, it, who it, do or do ya? Neither. Uh, <laughs> who, who ya is, is swan. I like who you. <laughs> oh, I, I missed that one. That who was, you, Joel. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not, yeah, do ya. It's going to be that. who you? <laughs> who you? <laughs> you who? Who you, you, wait, you I just, just want to ask your company. <laughs> Dennis, you you don't you don't mind uh you know that these are you know eighty you know uh off exchange. Well, well you consider that you don't get big like I mean in these <laughs> things because you, know, you never know. It's a little bit of smoke and mirrors coming out of there some every once in a while. So you got to be considerate to the fact that okay, yeah, I think these are both real companies. I think this is a real merger. <laughs> I mean, you got to think about stuff like that when you're changing Chinese names. The Doyu one, like I said, I don't know if I've ever made a trade in it before. So it might take a little bit of research there. But all I'm saying is if you were just coming in here and saying, well, how can you go wrong buying who you, who ya down up two bucks? I'm saying if from a risk art perspective, you'd actually be up better to buy D-O-Y-U up if you think the merger is indeed going through. Now, again, I have not done any homework. I've known about this for now literally three minutes. So, you know, they might take some homework before I actually jump in. But the quick grade two math calculation on this tells me that Doyu is the better deal right now if you believe the merger is going through. So that's what we got to find out. Do we really believe it? Probably. Okay. No, I mean, it's a real merger. Is it a real merger? They don't, need, so. they don't need to buy a vowel. 
they got a lot of vowels in there for the new too name, many vowels so. <laughs> eh? like you put the vowels where there's consonants supposed to be and oh man okay next like my writing spencer get us off this one yeah. i'm sorry right. so yeah that merger is it's like my three-year-old name these companies that's closed in the first quarter of next year i see i see stickers in the chats i'm writing them all down don't worry we'll do it do them all i take the time later in the show uh, i want to talk about there's a couple more on our list here uh pcg this one um if you didn't see the headline here but according to i think the wall street journal uh pg and e approached california regulators and suggested that their equipment may have been the cause of another recent wildfire in california Stop so, causing fires. Yeah. So if, if you woke up and you saw PCG down 7% or it was down more before. That... Uh, well, I don't know. Like they've already went bankrupt and trying to emerge from bankruptcy. And now they're burning down in the California here again. I, I don't know what to say about this. I've never understood it. From my experience, from a quantitative perspective, most of the time when companies go bankrupt, the equities stock goes down to basically nothing. This has been an exception to the rule, so I've never understood this. I don't usually trade it for that reason because what I don't understand, I just stay away from. And, okay, yeah, obviously bad news, but I don't know. The company's already bankrupt and this is going back to zero because it's causing more fires. Probably not. I know there's some value here because it's emerging from bankruptcy, but, you know, I'm not a bankruptcy lawyer to tell you, you know, what's going to be left or, you know, assets. And we've had somebody on trying to explain that to me before, and it went over my head. I'm just not that yeah, smart, I, I guess, to understand it. So I just stay away from it. If you don't understand something, why trade it? And uh, I think that just look at it, if you look at the bottom right corner and you look at the monthlies here, I mean, it, it's just, it's been quiet. It's been in a trading range. So uh, I don't even know. I mean, you can't do any ARB off this because it, I mean, maybe the bonds, are the bonds still trading, Dennis? Or? The preferreds were. Yeah, preferreds um, were. So. Yeah, I, and I used to trade the preferreds against it, but then I didn't understand. I, I just stay away from most of those. Okay. The preferreds are thin too, right. man. You got like, like 50, 60, 70 cent spreads in these things, like three, four percent. So they're tough to trade. Okay. Uh, back to my list here. Workhorse. They caught some financing this morning, uh, secured $200 million in financing from institutional lenders. There's also the rumor on Friday that they are going to win this U.S. Postal Service contract. Uh, Mitch has been saying that. That news could come out as soon as this week. Uh, workhorse continuing to climb here. Uh, I guess that short report really was the buying chance. It looks like Roth Capital, too, behind it, saying they think oh, they're yeah. going to win it, too. This is an right, 8.1. Yeah. I, I want to give you some perspective. This is an 8.1 uh, potential, a potential $8.1 billion deal. This is everything. We've been talking about this on the show. If you're just listening for the first time, we've been talking about the workhorse potential contract as a binary event for months, for months. You're talking about $2 billion company potentially getting you know upwards of an $8 billion contract. It's a game changer. If they get that contract, the stock's going to be over 40. But we don't know, you know I, at least I think it would be over 40. Obviously, never know anything in this market. But I look at it here. It's running up. Do I want to fade it? No, because it's all just risk. It's all about this contract. So, but, you know, you could even go out to the options chains and, you know, I bet you they've priced this in there too. Like we think we're going to get, you know, a news on this contract, yay or nay in the near future. But if you go out, even looking out to, let's say October 23rd, and you want to go out, you know, for the thirties, which are like, you know, and this is the closing prices options aren't open right now, but they're, they were three bucks out of the money. They're still trading for $2. 
I mean, so they're only giving you, first of all, we don't know if we're going to have a decision by then. Yep. We don't actually know when the decision, we can speculate that the decision is coming. But, you know, they've got the premiums jacked in this stock because they, the options guys know too. They don't want to, you know, sell an option, you know, for a buck and then have it blow 10 bucks against them. So it's all risk reward for them too. And right now they're pricing these with significant premiums. I'm just trying to look out and see if there's anything there. I mean, even if you went out to November, so just go out one month, November 13th, one month from today, the 30s, which are literally still over 10% out of the money, we're trading for almost four bucks, like three dollars, and they're wide too, three ten to four twenty. So you got a huge spread in there too. It's hard. So you buy those, and they get the contract, and the thing goes to like thirty-five or thirty-six or maybe thirty-eight dollars, and you make a little bit of money, but you don't make much. It's hard to make money buying options. In uh, what workhorse? Uh, you did get over twenty-nine on this, so you are leaking a little bit. So this went to twenty-nine fifty, and boom, twenty-nine. Ooh, today. Several brackets. Yeah, today. Today. So it's pulled off. If you, you see this thing up near 29.50 today, between 7.15 and really 8.15 for that whole hour, uh, you had a sneaky seller up there, and uh, now you're back down. It uh, just hit 27, but uh, I think I, I think the higher the day in there, I don't think you're going to see that 29. Unless, of, of course, they come out with the contract. The contract news. Yep. That's all that matters. If there's another rumor that they're getting it, it's going to rally up too. Again, if they don't get this, Ooh. if they don't get this contract, the thing's back at 15 bucks or maybe lower. So it is a binary event. It's going to have a big move one way or another when this contract gets announced. And we don't know when that's going to happen. And uh, just uh, on these short seller reports and stuff, it, they usually, you know, they stick or they don't. Like you don't have to hang around. Like if you're hitting the bed in the pre-market or after hours or whatever, regular trading and they go down and you get some file through, you just, you got to wait, you know, a day, half it. I mean, uh, you know, Andrew left actually, you know, he'll have, you know, some big moves, but a lot of times, man, those, these guys are dead wrong. And you don't know if they're out there buying, then they're out there buying when they come out with their report. And that's a whole nother ethical. Well, we, we don't, they say they don't, don't do that. We speculate that that might be happening. They issue the report and then they're covered in their shorts from all the suckers who are selling it on it. There's speculation that that happens. Speculation. I don't have any proof that that happens. I'm nope. not sure if regulators have any proof that that happens, but the one thing is it's such a gray area because it's just really an opinion. I mean, they put it out as a research report, but a research report from any analyst is just an opinion as well. And is it, you know, illegal to talk your book? I mean, is it, you know, is it unethical to be covering in on buying something that you just said out to told everyone to short it? It's definitely unethical um, if they're actually covering it. But if they're not, then it's just an opinion. And, you know, they're going with their opinion. And obviously, you know, there's, there's going to be significant moves. But the reason why these are often fades is because it is just an opinion. And opinions are a dime a dozen, really. You know, yes, you know, a lot of these, you know, they, they do their homework significantly. And sometimes they do materialize and find some fraud. You know, in the case of Nicola, it looks like, you know, a lot of that, obviously, maybe some of that was true, those allegations. But in some cases, none of it's true. It's just, it's speculation more than anything. And it's an opinion. I mean, the end phase was the absolute bottom that day. It got down to $37 back June 17th. The thing is 109 bucks now. So a lot of times, you're correct, Joel, these are buying opportunities for decent stocks that are, you know, get smacked 20, 30% sometimes on these reports, these short seller reports. And, you know, what do we say? We buy the dip. And, you know, here's a stock getting slammed, not on really their own fundamental information, but on opinion from an outside analyst.
We yeah. made a we made a trading rule up on Friday. What was your rule? If you if you if you see you get a short report, and we're, I'm not even going to throw Fuzzy Panda in there, okay, the name or anything, and you go to their site, and you can't pull up their site because their site's overloaded, then. I don't know how much faith you want to put in that report. They can't even handle the traffic. <laughs> you at least pump up your servers if you're going to do something like that. Fuzzy. I mean, Why do they name these things such weird names? What's the name of that one? Fuzzy Bear? Fuzzy Panda. Fuzzy Panda. <laughs> Fuzzy Bear. Fuzzy Panda Research. Where do they come up with these names, man? I don't know. I don't sounds, know. So, sounds Chinese. Because uh, that panda restaurant, you know, the Chinese food. Oh, are you talking about the one in, uh, in the malls? The panda. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's the buffet. The, I wonder yeah, how. I, I, I like that how. food. Oh, right. I wonder how that's. I don't know. They're all closed. They're not doing great at all. Spencer's trying to take us off this. Moving right along. I will because I have a few more stocks in my list. Sure, we're, go. We're, what about Dellerts? We're gonna. That's where I'm going next, actually. But Michael Pactor will be on with us in seven or so minutes. He'll be talking video game and enter- entertainment stock. But let's do some more tickers on our list here. Dillard's here. If you're wondering what is the deal with that stock up big this morning, uh, one, they got a price target raise, but that is not as big a deal as a filing on Friday afternoon. A passive insider buy. Wow. At, not insider buy. Well, I guess you can call it that. But um, a passive stake from Ted Weschler. Ted Weschler? If you don't know who that is, <laughs> he is a uh, investment manager at Berkshire. He is uh, commonly mentioned among the potential successors to Warren Buffett. Uh, he has now taken a 5.89% stake in Dillard's. I don't know when he took the stake. I just know that sure. he, he uh, exceeded the threshold for a filing on Friday. So this could have been you know, several rounds of buying over the past you know, weeks or months or longer, but uh, passive stake from a, wow. a Berkshire manager is the reason for the pop and dealers. It's up 15% today because we have a passive stake. Like Joel said, we have no idea when they bought this. You know, you can see actually, or do we, do, do you see well, the actual SEC? Sometimes in the filings, you can actually see the days that they bought it. I don't know if we he bought it, it for case. Berkshire or he bought it for his own. Yes, personal. he bought it for Berkshire. Okay. So Bur- he's put Warren Buffett into Dillard's. Okay. So the the question is, can we actually see the day? Like sometimes no, you see these not, filings, it's not, and they no, have the dates. They don't. Yeah. So you know, we don't. If so, and obviously, I haven't read the whole filing, so I don't see it just on, uh, after looking at it for ten seconds. But you know, I could have been buying at twenty five or thirty. Right. And now you're buying at forty eight today. Because Buffett, I mean, again, late, 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 late this is to a the tough party. Chart. This is the a tough second chart. thing is, this is Dillard's, man. I mean, I put Dillard's in the same category as Nordstrom, Kohl's, Macy's. These are huge stores that anchor malls. Am I jumping and getting all excited and buying this up 15% because Warren Buffett potentially has been put in by one of his successors? No. No, sold to you, man. I mean, could it continue? We've seen some of these rallies continue. But if I was long this thing, I would say thank you very much, 13G filing. I will take the extra 15%, and I will sell it to all of the people who believe that Warren Buffett is buying it this morning at 48 and a half when he bought it probably a while ago, maybe even under 30. Does it still have that preferred that you're in? I know you PDT, sold it. yes, it, it does. It still does, huh? Yeah, and you know what? That's starting to come back towards par. And that w- I was in this, so I was in Dillard's via the preferred for a long time because the preferred was one when this was when Dillard's wasn't in trouble at all. So, you know, if you go back to years ago, 
Dillard stock was doing just fine. And I was like, the DDT was li- literally trading. It's a seven and a half percent preferred. So I'm getting seven and a half percent of my money. And I'm, I'm, I just watch the common regularly. And as long as the common doesn't start to puke, I know I'm pretty safe in the DDT. Is it time to go back into that trade? Maybe, but are we completely out of the woods? I mean, we still got a wild card with COVID. We still got a lot going on. There's a hell of a lot more risk than there was when I was playing this three years ago. So, but you know, it just continues to play. It's a capital trust security, so it's even better than a preferred. Um, so they've actually got you know some some you know when, you, when there's different types of preferreds, and the capital trust ones have a little bit more say in their in their distribution. But you know, right now at this current price, it yields eight point one two percent. Pretty nice to get eight percent on your money. I mean obviously in this environment where people are getting 8% on Twilio overnight, they don't think that's attractive, but you know, I'll tell you just from a quantitative perspective when you're, you know, a long-term money manager, um, having a little bit of, you know, preferred stock in your portfolio yielding seven, 8% Not bad, doesn't hurt right. the bottom line. I'll tell you this, this is in a weird area. I see 50 is a pre-market high. There's no reference point there on the dailies and there's nothing really there on the monthlies. Uh, this got, slammed in March with everything else. So your next monthly high is 59.92 and that was from March and then you were 70 bucks in February, but just for now if you're looking for follow through on this, really important for it to go through 50 bucks. You're a buck and a half away through. I think that. it gets to 50. It get, it could. It I think it 50, does. 51, 52, 53, come down to 47, go to 40, you know, it could be all over the place. I I wouldn't put a hard target like I I'm not as confident in this one as I, I it's was thin. a workhorse. It's thin, exactly. The Dillard's is thin. And but, if, if they start pumping this on CNBC, which they sometimes do, they're looking for news and just scrambling around. If they were to come in and start <laughs> pumping this on CNBC and say, Warren Buffett's buying Dillard's, you could really see it blast. So I'm not going to short it right now either. I would wait, uh, but, I'm, but I'm watching it to short it. So I would wait until the little buzz around this Warren Buffett, you know, buys fizzles out and it will fizzle out and then you know maybe a strike because here's a stock that of a company that i still think is not out of the woods by any means and the next like the other thing we look for this is another catalyst we look at the short interest it's it's only 12 percent so ah but it's 46.75 percent short of float but it's not like you know an exorbitant like your GameStop or something like that so i think it's a little bit of a squeeze too though yeah I think oh definitely start as a squeeze that's weird the ratio uh oh oh wait i'm wrong short percent of float is is almost 50 percent yeah so it's a yeah. huge short squeeze that's yeah what i don't know what i, I mean all these like ratio. al brands game stops these have all been short squeezes and it's no coincidence that macy's and nordstrom's you know haven't had the kind of moves but if you go and you break it down you know and just do a little bit of research you know you can make some money just doing a little bit of research um you know you look at macy's short interest comparatively speaking and you say why isn't that rallying well macy oh macy's is 40 percent too so maybe that's a bad example. Maybe these things are just all loaded with shorts. Kohl's is 15. So Kohl's is less. I'm just grabbing them quick. Wow, and these, these lag and it depends on the platform you use. You're never going to get them perfect. And Nordstrom's about 30. So again, Macy's is thicker though. It's a $6 stock and you know, it takes a lot more to move it. So these all have significant short interest. And I don't know, maybe these start squeezing too. I wouldn't want to be short Nordstrom and stuff right now because I'm seeing what's been happening in these other ones. But what are your thoughts here on all these? You know, is this Dillard's going to turn it all around and this is going to be, we're all going to go back to the malls and we're going to be, you know, going and buying our name brands and these big, uh, big stores. You're asking me, I never went to malls before. Uh, Spencer. 
Actually, I didn't know. And I'm gonna forward, I'm gonna forward your question to our guest, uh, Michael Factor <laughs> from Wedbush Securities. Michael, I know this isn't necessarily uh, in your coverage area, but <laughs> you still going to malls? I uh, know. You know, I I have this uh, thing, and, and it's mostly because I cover the movie theaters. Nobody's dying to see a movie. Um, nobody's okay. dying to go shopping. Yep. So, you know, I kind of think that the world is split up between people who fear COVID and people who don't. And so, you know, the ones that are over 50 pretty much fear it. The ones that are under 30 pretty much don't. And then the great unwashed masses between 30 and 50 settle down on party lines if they think it's a hoax or they actually think it's something to fear. But, uh, you know, look at the customer for Dillard's. I don't even know who that is. I mean, I know I know what Dillard's is, but is it an old person? You know, it's not Abercrombie, so it's not young people. Um, so I would think probably until there's a vaccine, retail's just not coming back. All right. Well, speaking of stocks like these that are that are in the midst of huge run-ups, uh, you came out on Friday. You maintained your neutral rating on GameStop. You weren't suckered in by that wicked whatever you want to call it, short squeeze rally, whatever. Uh, talk to us about GameStop. Uh, they had the news last week, their partnership with Microsoft. Uh, you, you talk, talk to us about, about your thesis there. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to talk to the CEO today because uh, they read my note and it, it wasn't frothy enough. So they want to make sure that I understand uh, that they are, according to them, in fact, sharing in the life, life, lifetime revenue stream from anybody who buys an Xbox there. Um, and, you know, the truth is that when they sell a physical game, they get about 20%. So a $60 game, GameStop gets about 12 bucks. When Microsoft sells a digital game, a digital download, same $60 game, GameStop tended to get nothing. Microsoft would get about 30%, 18 bucks. Um, so it appears that Microsoft has cut a deal with GameStop that if GameStop sources an Xbox uh, Series X or Series S sale, so the new consoles uh, that GameStop will share in that $18 revenue. My guess is 10%, you know, they're going to get $1.80. And, you know, the lifetime value of that customer, he's going to buy about 13 games, call it. You know, so if they were all digital, they get 25 bucks. If they are half digital, half physical, they're going to get the physical ones anyway. And they're going to make another, you know, maybe, maybe, So nice to have, not a big deal. The announcement was specifically about um, selling services. And and it's very clear if you buy an Xbox under a subscription plan, and and Microsoft's offering something similar to what uh, cell phone carriers offer. You don't have to pay a thousand bucks for an iPhone. You pay you know, like a hundred bucks a month and that gives you cell phone service and a new iPhone. Microsoft's doing the same thing. It's 35 bucks a month for two years and you get Xbox Live, which has a $5 value, something called Game Pass, which is a subscription service for a hundred plus free games. That, that's about another 10 bucks. And then the last you know, 20 bucks is the installment purchase of your Xbox, which makes sense. You pay $480 extra, you get a $500 Xbox. So if GameStop sells that, they get a piece of the whole bundle. Um, And again, my guess is they're getting about 10% because they make less than 10% on hardware. They only make about eight. So this is probably giving them 10 on the, I'm sorry, eight on the hardware and 15% ish on the rest of it. Again, nice to have, but I think we're talking low double-digit millions per year in revenue. So uh, maybe not, so not enough, not enough to really 
drive the stock up that much. enough to move the stock maybe a dollar you know and and it kind of based around six and ryan cohen took it up to about eight or nine and the stocks ripped up to 12 or 13 on this so i'd say what you were talking about dillard's is right short squeeze so we had a a big short squeeze um i spoke to probably a dozen investors on friday uh two longs and 10 shorts and wow. the, the longs are like about time, great stock, and the shorts are like, what the hell happened? So, yeah, it's one. It's yeah. and the answer is somewhere in between. Yeah, are the shorts uh, holding that you speak to, or are some people like uh, I can't take the pain? Do they hold through this? Well, very clearly, based on the share price action, a lot of them said I can't take yeah. the pain. Um, the, the the open question was, is it a short up here? And, and realistically, you know, I actually, I have a neutral on it. I actually kind of like them and I missed an opportunity at four to upgrade. Um, I was being cute thinking the stock could be at four or five when consoles launched, I could upgrade, take my target to six or eight, and be a hero. Now my target's at eight and the stock's at 13. I missed it, <laughs> you know, so, so I, you know, nobody cares what my rating is, but I, I actually thought it would go up on console launches. Those are happening in a couple of weeks. I was so. actually about to ask you about that. Uh, is there a trade to make there with a new consoles coming out in the next, what, six or so weeks, six to eight weeks? Is, is there a trade to make there? Yeah, uh, less than four weeks, actually. Um, they're yeah. coming out uh, three weeks from this Friday. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, I think that they're going to sell a lot of consoles. And um, the deal that they were offered on a piece of digital sales and a piece of the subscription very likely has been offered to everybody. So Walmart, Target, Best Buy are all getting the same deal. Um, but people are going to buy consoles. And yes, I know we're in a, in a global recession. And I know that without stimulus, it's just not going to get any better here. Um, the fact is early console adopters are rich kids. They're not you know, unemployed waiters. And so, you know, early adopters, they're going to sell out of consoles and, and GameStop's going to sell a lot, 40 to 50% of domestic console sales. So they're going to do really, really well in that quarter. And the question is, you know, is this management team going to keep up its streak of working capital management, cash flow generation? I think so. So I actually think they're going to start printing profits and that's the change for GameStop. So I guess I, I think meant, it's good timing. I, I meant no more broadly, like beyond just GameStop into Oh, like, for sure. Into like Turtle Beach and Nintendo, Activision, Zynga, Glue, Take Two, EA, all these stocks. Is is there a trade to make like in the entire space? Uh Turtle uh, Beach is a tough one, but yes, I mean they, they sell console uh headsets. Um the publishers are the ones who thrive. And I think actually what's kind of drifting below the radar is that you know, you had Amazon make a very stealthy announcement about something called Luna, which is a subscription streaming service. Um, it's crystal clear to me, Amazon is gonna offer a console in a year or so, um, and it's gonna be cheap. It's gonna be called an Alexa, you know, Echo device. Um, it's gonna just magically get games on your TV. And that's where you see a big boost for the publishers. You're gonna see the publishers um, suddenly able to reach any prime household, you know, that's 150 million households, probably fewer than half of those are, uh, are console households. So they'll, you know, really see a giant increase in the households they can reach. And I frankly think Amazon Prime is going to keep growing. So you're going to end up uh, seeing the publisher's addressable market double over the next four or five years. And we that's need a big to, deal. The bottom line, we need to remember if and when Amazon does launch their own console, just run and buy um, uh, Take-Two EA uh, and Activision. Yes, and Ubisoft and uh, probably not Nintendo. But yeah, yeah, the guys who have content that 
is going to be available on any platform are the guys who win. You're going to expand the addressable market to people who either can't afford a console or can't justify the purchase of a console because they play one game a year. But I'd say over 10 years, you're going to see a 6 to 10x increase in the number of households who can play games between streaming and, and a cheap console. And so the publishers are going to easily see a double in sales in the next 10 years. And that's a big deal. That's so, Michael, we look at a lot of these stocks and the gamers have actually underperformed in the last month or two. They've pulled back significantly from, you know, they had a hell of a run through the summer. Is this a pullback then to maybe be lo- looking at an Activision Blizzard and looking at an EA and looking at a Take-Two? Um, it's a seasonal pullback and you always get this kind of letdown. Um, it's, it's especially, uh, accentuated now because as you said, they had such a giant move and unfortunately, unfortunately for me, unfortunately for investors, there are these third party data services that just suck. I mean, they just freaking make shit up as they go. Pardon me. I'm not allowed to say that they make stuff up sure. as they go. Um, they, these guys, you know, credit card data companies and guys who measure ordinal rankings on the app store. And so, you know, if they see a really minor decline in anything they go crazy and they cannot factor in work from home shelter in place so the data services hire a bunch of 25 year old data scientists and they're looking at year-over-year rankings and they don't understand that the market's up 30 to 40 percent year over year because of work from home so they've they've been you know, pounding these stocks and saying that, oh, we're seeing a slowdown in Grand Theft Auto Online or FIFA Ultimate Team, and they just have no idea what they're talking about. So yes, good opportunity. Um, Of the publishers, um, the one with upcoming catalysts is actually Activision. Um, They have a really good setup for a a favorable year-over-year comparison in Q4. Um, They have a World of Warcraft expansion launching. They they launched a free-to-play game called Call of Duty Warzone last March. So it's up against nothing in the fourth quarter from last year. Um, They have their normal Call of Duty, and it's a super light lineup this fall. There is no Take-Two big game, no Borderlands. There is no EA big game, you know, no Battlefield or Star Wars. So Activision is just going against Cyberpunk, which is no big deal. Um, So I like them the best. I think Zynga is the the sneaky play. Uh, The data services are pounding those guys. Zynga is going to freaking crush it. Um, they they have set themselves up to just beat and raise and beat and raise. And that's the stock that's on our best ideas list, as is Activision. Those are the two I think have the most positive surprise, have the best catalysts in Q4, are the most fundamentally you know good stocks and great management teams for both. We're on the line with Michael Pachter, analyst for Wed Bush Securities, a longtime guest on the show. And I remember you sticking with GameStop when everyone was was pounding it. But uh, I wanted to ask you, I can't think of the name of the company that's uh, starting up with Apple and the App Store uh, wars. I mean, I know you don't uh, follow Apple per se, but is this, you know, is this going to be a lot of noise here? Or is this going to be something that, uh, you know, is going to have long term effects for the app store and the gaming industry. I'm not sure what you asked. What what company is doing Uh-oh, what? Oh, I got it. Are... I got it. You're referring to Epic Games, the, the owners oh, of Epic. Games of Fortnite. Yeah, sorry about that. Oh, I'm sorry in the in court. Yeah, you know, Epic uh, Epic's real. Um, Epic is a good proxy for Unity with a lot more free cash flow and a lot higher revenues. Unity's trading in the, you know, 25 30 billion range and Epic just did a capital raise of 17. Um, they have higher revenues. And, uh, and much, much more cash. 
Um, so I don't, I think they're going public in a year or two, but I think that's an interesting one to put on the radar. Um, Epic's going to beat Apple like a drum in these wars. So, so this war, um, and my, my colleague, Dan Ives covers Apple. He thinks Apple wins everything because of their size. This isn't David versus Goliath. This is mini me Goliath against Goliath. So, you know, Epic has, uh, some, they generate at least a billion in free cash flow. Um, so this is going to cost them maybe a hundred million bucks in, in legal fees. They are willing to take the pain. They happen to be right. Um, Apple, if, if you buy something in Fortnite, that's their game on the Xbox store, you, know, you buy a skin and then you go play it on your phone in the app store, your skin shows up. So they allow you to purchase off their platform and use the item in their game on, on the app store. Epic merely tried to let you buy currency in the Epic store to use in their own game on the app store. And Apple said no and booted them off the store. Um, that is the definition of anti-competitive. So if you go look at all, and a lawyer here, if you go look at um, all of the antitrust laws and Sherman Clayton and the Securities Acts of 33 and 34, um, Apple is, is breaching those rules in a textbook fashion. They're doing everything wrong. Um, and they're doing it because they're pig-headed. They think they're right and their lawyers are letting them run rampant. Uh, they are gonna lose and they're gonna lose bad. So it's gonna take five years because they're Apple and they will spend whatever it takes to appeal. But I love Epic on this side. I think Epic is, and the cool thing about Epic, they tried to sell currency on their store at a 20% discount. So they're passing through the Apple tax to their consumer. That's an awesome fact because again these laws say do what's best for the consumer here's epic passing through the the toll charge from apple to the consumer and apple says no you can't do it we like prices high and we we should make a profit screw them uh, they're gonna lose I, I love this lawsuit definitely definitely opinion there um also <laughs> <laughs> no i like that that's what we like like to hear um i heard some statistics uh regarding the next generations and sporting events and i think i think it's just alarming that uh i don't even can't keep track whether gen zers or whatever the people that are going to be growing you know growing up and there just seems to be such little interest in in sporting events and you're seeing this being reflected in sports ratings right now um they're down across the board uh just talk about you know this is a long-term catalyst for like atvi and take two interactive and ea and the last thing have you did you watch i know you're out there in la are you are you uh are you a lakers fan i uh i am today Okay, because I'm watching those events, and it seems like they're making it like the video game. Not that I've ever played, like, NBA Live or whatever it is, but it seems that, like, they're, you know, with no fans and everything, it seems like they're morphing in that direction. I just wondered if you you notice that. Just talk about the the generational change here in sports consumption. I mean, they're definitely marketing to the audience, and so they're trying to attract a young audience. And if you think back to – say the 1990s, maybe we started getting pop music piped in instead of the organ music at a baseball game. And the idea was that they wanted to keep the yuppies happy. And then we started getting better food offerings. You, know, you could buy something other than hot dogs and beer um, in, the, in the last decade. So, so clearly they're trying to keep you know, younger people engaged. Um, I, I don't think that the decline is you know, a breakdown of the nuclear family decline in interest. I think, I think it's actually just alternatives. We, you know, back when I was a kid, it was linear TV or go to the movies. You know, those are your two choices. 
So we watched a lot of sports and there really wasn't that much programming. So we watched a lot of sports and our dads watched it with us. Um, now, you know, everything online on demand all the time. My 20 year old daughters who would otherwise probably not be interested in sports barely venture out of their bedrooms. And, you know, they have, they watch on their MacBooks and, you know, watch Netflix and they're, they're now finally watching on TV, but everything on demand. So, you know, I think that the bigger issue is how to advertisers reach these people. And, you know, they're going to go wherever they feel like going and advertisers have to follow the eyeballs. Um, sports is still important, but, you know, the average age of a, of a baseball viewer is the same as the average age of a Cadillac owner. You know, it's just, it's old people. Okay. And, and I don't know that baseball is ever going to recover. Basketball might, you know, and, and again, it's not because people don't like basketball. It's just soccer wasn't a thing when I was growing up and now soccer is huge. So people watch English Premier League. You know, we just did a deal with Fubo TV. You can watch a ton of soccer, you know, as part of that, that streaming service. And it's super popular. So, you know, I, I think it's just ours. Um, entertainment hours are going to be spent based on the activity that the consumer likes. Video games is the sweet spot for that younger demographic. They're not watching sports. Yes, they are playing video games. But it's, again, it's not a perfect translation. I mean, it's young people. Young people are going to be 40 in 20 years, and they're still going to be playing games. So that market's just going to keep growing. And, you know, our dads are dying off, and baseball's losing fans. That's a problem. Yeah, Fubo is one of the uh, better sports cord cutting options uh, for sure. Uh, Michael Pactor is an analyst at Wedding Bush Securities. Uh, also has a YouTube show of his own. If you go on YouTube and search for the Pactor Factor, you will find his show, his comments more on this space. Uh, Michael Pactor, thank you so much for the time today. My pleasure. All right, uh, let's get back to the chat. We have a few minutes left uh, in this show. I've been writing down some tickers intermittently throughout the hour, and I want to get to them. Actually, first, let's just do Twitter here. Twitter caught an upgrade this morning uh, from Deutsche Bank uh, to buy, raising their price target to $56. Wow, is that a street high? That I don't know if it is, but it's, if, if it isn't, it's close. Let me see here. Um, that might be that might be a street high on Twitter. Yeah, fifty six dollars. And they're looking at the charts oh, no, here not. too. Pivotal is fifty nine, but it's close. They're they're timing this because this has been a consolidation <laughs> station here, and you know we just had Michael Pactor on, and they, they do look, you know, and obviously Michael Pactor was saying, you know, he missed it, you know, he was looking at it at four or five potentially to upgrade GameStop, but then he missed it. I mean, you look and you know the analysts will wait to strike and they'll look at pullbacks to strike too. We're seeing that in DraftKings here this morning too, which we can get into in a second. But you know, if you're bullish on it, they like to wait for a little pullback here before they raise because obviously that's where they're marked from. You know, what's where everybody's going to say, oh, you upgraded it when it was at this price. So, you know, their opinions matter to them for sure. So you look at Twitter and you think it's been in consolidation station for three days. It's looking for a catalyst. DB says, well, let's give it a catalyst. We'll upgrade this thing right now. And, and that's what's happening. It's up to, I think Twitter does go through 50 sooner than later. Okay. I'm long Twitter, so I'm completely talking my book here. Uh, but I've been long Twitter for a long time now. And I'm going to stay long Twitter. So not in the trading account, just pure in, in, in the longer term portfolio. Um, I think the story is still intact. 47.87, uh, that was the high of the move. You're pressing up right against that right now. Uh, seems someone's trying to get a little better exit price than 48. 48.18 is your pre-market high. Made a couple highs right between 48.04 and 48.18. Uh, just from memory, 
uh, Twitter does move, does move off these upgrades and stuff, but it will also give you that that buck drop in her day too, to, uh, you know, perhaps again in lower, but uh, going through, going in to see what it can do at longer. If it's holding 48 after your first 15 minutes of trading, then, Hey, you may even see that 50 today. Uh, right now it's trading up what, uh, over 4%, 4784 new high for the move here in Twitter, just quietly, Went from 40 to 50. And remember that 40 number? It opened at 40, went to 45, closed at 40, went to 70 and change. And then we all know what happened after that. Was that was blast from the past. Yeah. I mean, it's grown into, and obviously it's grown into the valuation to a certain extent. It's still got a crazy valuation on it. But, I mean, people are using this thing and the president's using it. And I, I go to it and, you know, and I can't find a reason for why a stock is moving. I'll go try to search it on Twitter. And sometimes you find the reason there, yeah, too. Yeah, you mentioned so. that. It's yep. like a news source to a certain extent. So, all right, uh, DraftKings getting an up, uh, not upgrade, initiated at a uh, hold this morning. Um, oh, a hold. Sorry, I'm sorry. There's two. <laughs> I didn't see that. There's two. There's initiated an outperform from Credit Suisse, and then Deutsche Bank is out with a hold. Yeah. Uh, the Credit Suisse rating is outperform and a seventy-six dollar price yeah. target. The Deutsche Bank rating is at a forty-eight dollar price target. Uh, Credit Suisse probably, like you said, Dennis, the catalyst this morning. Yeah, they are for sure. And they're looking, you know, okay, we want to be all, you know, maybe they had a bullish piece ready to go. But they're like, well, we're not going to chase it when it's going up, 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 up. We'll wait till it pulled back. And then, you know, our, our rating will be a catalyst to maybe kickstart it going the other way. So now they're marked from 48.82 and they're obviously getting the boost here. Um, the, the one issue here that we have is that, and that's hit PEN, it's hit DKNG, it's hit our, the LCA as well uh, to a certain extent, um, is that we're seeing more cases and people are concerned, you know, is the NFL season going to get all the way done? Or are we going to eventually be at a point where we have to cancel more games or potentially cancel the season due to COVID spread? I mean, that's the wild card for these. So um, NFL, obviously, you know, a little bit different. NHL tried to bubble. NBA did the bubble that worked well. MLB did not, but MLB seems to be getting through it. So they can find a way through it, but COVID's a wild card for these companies. So, and you know, what you were saying in the longer term trends where people just aren't watching sports, um, it, th there's less. I mean, the ratings were brutal on the NBA finals. I looked at the ratings well, on that too. The ratings are down for every sport this year. Exactly. Probably has something to do with the fact that A, we're in a pandemic and B, it's an election year. Um, but the fact it's that not, and, and, and I just know, like, I'm a huge hockey fan and I wasn't that excited either. It just didn't, it wasn't the same without the fans in the stands, like exactly. to a certain, even when you're watching it, it's like, it didn't feel real. It felt like preseason. Like I know it was real. And yes, you know, Tampa Bay did win the Stanley cup and yes, you know, we saw obviously NBA finals work out and, you know, awarded, but I mean, I, I just didn't feel it was like, it didn't feel as real to me as it normally does. Like, I mean, the fans add so much. So it's hit, you know, not, it's hit from COVID. Those ratings are hit from COVID for sure. Even the TV ratings, because you think, oh, the TV ratings be higher because nobody's going to this thing, thing. They're watching it all from TV. And the hardcore fans are always going to watch. But the people who are like, you know, in the middle of the bandwagon fans, it's not that hard, easy to get on the bandwagon when there's no fans in the stands. You're not seeing, you know, the, 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 the roar and they're trying to put the fake roar in. And that's why it feels almost fake. So COVID really hit these. Does eventually do we get past COVID and eventually sports go back to where it was? um maybe so you know i still think i'm long pen gaming i'm long lc i think the betting within sports is not going away so and this is a pure play on that so am i buyer of DraftKings on the pullback maybe 
I, I, uh, I don't know. Draft, what do you think? The 52, I mean, this just didn't handle the uh, offering as much, you know, as well as Penn did. So I'll just kind of keep that level in mind here. I know it's trading up 5073. The offering is already done, but I don't know. When you have a significant <clears throat> level like that, maybe some people decided to hold on, see how it trades. Maybe you wanted to get a pen like move. Uh, but uh, let's see, 48.82 was your close, 51.13. This has had <clears throat> this has had a one, two, three, four, five day losing streak. So let's see, uh, getting up over and closing over 51.70, which is closer to that 52 offering price. And I'd say, hey, you know, maybe get a little run back up, test the 50% retracement of this last move here. But uh, it's come off hard and we'll see if it can recover. Pre-market high, just over $51. So there's some excitement. Keep an eye on 51. 5105. That's 65 cents from Friday's high for DKNG. And I, I the markets, Mr. Markets, kind of nice up. And this is kind of, well, it's up more on a percentage basis, but we'll see what happens at 52. I just want to, couple, want to cover a couple more quickly. True Car, T R U E. This is not one we talk about too frequently on the show. This is from the Benzinger Pro Chat. What's the. True oh, car? there's no news here. It's just, this oh. is from, from the chat. Yep. Uh, it looks sleepy. It was an all ugly, ugly, ugly candle on Friday. So, you know, you can say, oh, it's nice rounding bottom, but it had the breakout and the breakout kind of failed miserably there. So I don't like that candle at all from Friday. It looked like a blow off top to me. Um, so now you run into all kinds of troubles getting back here in that 590. So I can't get interested in the tell this is above six. Below six, I'd say this thing's not looking as nice as it did if you would have asked me two days ago. And Oh, T-R-U-E, right? True, uh, yes. Yeah. What are they? Sell cars that don't lie? Yeah. What's uh what is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh <laughs> great, I laughed. I don't know what I was Crate supported five. Uh, you know, if it comes down to that area, and you're right, you did get close to six. It's used cars. Yeah, used cars. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I'd be more inclined. This isn't Carvana. Oh, that's right. Uh, okay. Uh, five bucks, great support. Uh, trading up at the yeah, it's that a little. Not much is traded there. This is a tough one. I'll, I think I'll, I'll lean on the triple D analysis on here that you got up near six and then you came back. So it's going to take a couple days. Five ninety one. Uh, that was a high on Friday. So prove prove me wrong. Uh, take out that five ninety one. Close over six couple closes and then make a run at 650 but uh, not a great looking candle on that on friday let's just do one more peloton here up another two percent again this morning no news doesn't need news it just goes up because that's what peloton does it does it just goes up and it gets a pullback and you start thinking okay well that was an ugly candle two days ago close near the lows what do they do the very next day they just start buying and i mean this thing is just nothing matters the story is still intact yeah, and, and until, you know, we start getting a vaccine and we start going back to our normal way of life, Peloton's going to continue to catch a bit. People are hiding out in this stock. They think this is a safe place to play. That this wins, you know, in a COVID environment. And they think it wins when we go back to normal, if we go back to normal. I'm not so sure about that, but we're so far away from going back to normal that I can't see, you know, just the Peloton just rolling over. It rolls over. It's, and it's crowded, but this is going to be buyers beneath. It's underneath demand for this stock. For the simple reason is that COVID is not apparently going away. And like Michael Pachter said, half the people, you know, maybe are, you know, not scared of it, but there's a lot of people who still are. I mean, I don't do anything. 
So I don't go anywhere. I don't go to restaurants. I don't sit on balconies. I don't go over to my friends to watch the game um, because I'm still scared of it. So, and you know, and you're all entitled to your opinions. If you're not scared exactly. of it, do what you got to do. But I just don't know, you know, and obviously Raznik had it and it wasn't too bad. So, you know, I've got a heart condition. My kid's got asthma. I'm going to stay scared of it for a while because we have pre-existing conditions. So uh, we used our Peloton six times this weekend. Whoa. Lisa did. Uh, wow. Lisa, you you Lisa, are like the most fit person I know at 67 years old. Uh, that, I'll take the under. Uh, <laughs> and, or I'll over. Uh, four <laughs> times, Lisa. Uh, she did. Uh, Holy Lisa. She's a machine. Man. Yeah, I know. She did uh, the, uh, you know, like the 30, 40 minute bike thing. And then they have a, a good stretch app. Uh, and also our pools like closed. a yoga thing. I, I jinxed our pool. Our pool, recent pool we joined is closed. It, if you grab one of the peloton, will it, like stretch your legs and like move around, like pull you back. There's stuff on there, Dennis. You, even your it. old crickety body could do. I know my old crickety. I got to get myself a peloton. You should. The you day should. I buy the peloton, it's the top in the stock. The day I buy the actual bike, like <laughs> I go and I order a peloton. That'll be the top. That's I'm what everyone said when I bought it this. in the 40s. That's, that's well, you, I usually you are. I mean, usually you are the last person <laughs> to buy the thing, but you bought the bike and then you bought the stock. So anyway. that was December. Thank God we did that. But uh, anyways, 904 Spencer. I we hope got we Abbott, don't Labs. Have the, uh... Abbott Labs breaking news right now, too. All right, let's do Abbott Labs and then we'll call it a day. Yeah, they got the emergency youth author. What is that? Youth? Youth. Emergency youth what are you? <laughs> what was that movie with uh, uh, that's my, cousin uh, my cousin Vinny? Youths. Youths. Yeah, the emergency youths. Joe you Pesci youth? was in that, right? Yes. Yeah, it's awesome. That's one of his best yeah, movies, right man. All right, all right. Emergency youth. And it wasn't violent. For their COVID uh, antibody blood test is, is the actual headline here. So They got the youths for it. They got the youths. They got the youth <laughs> authorization. <laughs> I'm uh, saying Utes every time now. Going for okay. Um, blast off. Not really. The stock's held up. I mean, it, I, I think most of the good news is baked into this thing, so I have trouble yeah. coming in and buying Abbott Labs here. But the chart doesn't look bad. So no, look, it's trying yeah. to break out over 110. So if you just ignored, you know, the fact that it seems like all the good news um, from COVID testing, all that has you know, been faded before. I mean, it's kind of on a breakout. 111.74 uh that was your high uh back in august and that was uh that's protecting that 114 high you just sniff 112 here uh now you backed off to 111.15 so i'll look at that one once 11.74 that 112 area i'll call that major resistance now and even i think if you clear that i don't think you're gonna say like a whoosh up to 114 because I think a lot of people got stuck in these two days, matching rain days between 112 and 114. All-time high, 114.20 uh, from August 28th. And your all-time closing high, now it has a chance to do that today. Your all-time closing high was on that same day at 110.79. All right. Let there was one more, one more. One more. We're in overtime. This is over. Pre-market I, prep overtime. He's not prepared for one. PMPOT. Oh, my goodness. PMPOT. Uh, 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 juniper? We can oh, oh, he juniper. goes to Juniper. juniper. Oh. He scrambled, was looking uh, for anything. Juniper. I'm going from Who's the chat. General Electric. Yeah, We're going to go farther in the chat and find something more exciting than this. I saw Juniper Z 23 resistance. Wah, wah. 
Uh, uh, General Electric is General Electric. We don't have to say anything about that. Short squeeze. And what about uh, Are You Correct? Asked. Well, that's got to get over seven. It uh, GE yeah, peaked up. That big Electric. Goldman Sachs rating. Right. Uh, someone mentioned Dennis. You're better with these kind of charts than me. The Zebra Technologies, ZBRA. Uh, to me, it's like it's going. It's it's got a major win streak going. Oh yeah. I don't know. I just I, two ninety major resistance. Yeah. You're coming into the end of the run. I yeah, think. I think so too. Two ninety one eighteen. You want to get up and get over that, and then that old time high before you hit three hundred. But look at it, just amazing. Look at it. What it took three days to go, four days to go to two ninety five to two fifty. Eh, I don't know. It's making a pretty big move back on the upside. Little, little lofty for me. We, but, we didn't uh, do the SPAC of the day. Oh, what's DPHC? That? What's that no, again? the SPAC of the day oh, right. from the, Friday night. The, uh, the, the Red Sox. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Red the, Sox. The, um, uh, Red Bull acquisition. R- RBAC. Corp. RBAC. Yeah, this is, that's the ticker there. Red Bull um, is getting into that, huh? Red Bull is oh, so they're doing a deal. What Red is it? Bull. With the Red Sox? It's it's this is Billy Bean's uh, spec, and they're gonna, oh really? They're they're going to take Fenway Sports Group public. Uh, mm, uh, I don't know about that one. This is your way of owning. The Liverpool. market doesn't know either because look at the blast <laughs> off Friday night and the crickets since then. So it's come all the way back down, and they're like, this isn't a sexy EV play. This is the declining sports play that Joel was just talking about here. So the market was all excited Friday night. It's like, oh, the Red Sox, Red Sox. And then they started hitting it. Doesn't, doesn't John Henry. Maybe if it was the Tigers. Oh. Doesn't, doesn't John Henry. Who owns yeah. the Red Sox? Yes, it is John Henry. Well, he own, he's a majority owner. of Finley. He's a savvy commodity trader, man. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to fade him, but uh, I don't know. Sports team, sports television. Ugh, I don't know. I'd be a little tepid. On green that. monster, not green today. Yeah. Let's see. 10 bucks. Green. Isn't it? Don't you automatically buy this at 10 bucks? I worked bucks at $10. Not after. The... Before the announcement, Joel. <laughs> oh, okay. Before. So you had to sell into the spike and get rewarded for holding it for the last five days. You only had to hold this one five days. It's only been out there five days this one this is five days okay 10 Boom, bucks. you're rewarded with a 40 percent. well friday night was very little volume but you could have easily got a 12 to 1250 this morning if you got up early now it's 1080 this thing's fading i don't know maybe it gets a little cnbc love but this isn't a sexy ev play all right uh if you got any good uh uh tips or anything any good knowledge from our show today hit that like button we appreciate that one like again you. wish dennis a happy canadian thanksgiving everyone else happy eat my Col- canada goose tonight happy columbus day for those happy uh happy anniversary to dana this is uh her first year wedding anniversary, oh, happy anniversary. Wow. yeah can happy you believe that like a year like that remember that holy yeah. mackerel a lot's Boy, changed in a year we were I all know, man. on that saturday night raz was there spencer was there i was there enjoying yeah, herself Just not even worrying about social distancing whatsoever you know we were giving hugs everything it was good times and now it's Boy, i'm like, glad you know, i got like, that one in i don't I, think I, I want and, and my buddy my buddy my buddy tom got married this weekend too and he had to do the social distance wedding so he put it oh, live streamed it and we watched it all how things changed in one year so we'll say congratulations dana congratulations tom but you know obviously weddings a lot different than they were a year ago could have saved me a lot of money doing it virtual <laughs> but i'm not you know we'll put that aside <laughs> all right you well pj get... williams is helping you out he just flipped you 99 cents he did pj is our most consistent PJ? 
Yeah. Peanut butter and jelly Williams. We, we appreciate it, PJ. PJ, why don't you email pmarket at benzinga.com and we'll send you a t-shirt or some swag. Look at 99 cents. Look, we're selling t-shirts for 99 cents here right now. You give us a 99 cent thing, you get a t-shirt. I'm going to give you 99 cents. I want, I never got my t-shirt. Yeah. Where's your t-shirt? And, uh, and also, ask Raz. past customs. We were also supposed to get some care package before the quarterly meeting. Did you get that, Spencer? I never even heard about the care package. Well, I, <laughs> well, yes, but the caveat it was it was full with uh, full of nut products. <laughs> so I just threw most of it out. Uh, yeah, they were trying to they were trying to kill Spencer Israel here with the nut yeah, package. Yeah, Joel, you're the same way. So just Spencer sits on a peanut and his butt <laughs> r- breaks out. It didn't miss much. Is my point. Okay, we're wrapping up here. Please remember all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your Monday. Joel and I will be be back at 3.40 p.m. Eastern time.